Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. Today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Amaranth. They've got a new album called Manifest, which is going to be released on October 2nd via Nuclear Blaster Records. Right now, I'm being joined by Olaf. We're going to chat about this incredibly uh, massive, huge-sounding album uh, that they just recorded. And we're going to chat about a couple of tracks. We're going to chat about what the band has been up to. So, Olaf, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. It's a pleasure to be joining you. Absolutely. Now, I guess because it's fresh on my mind, I just watched that documentary, or one of the pieces anyway, of the documentary that you guys had just done uh, for the album. And there's a few questions that I just had that were just kind of fresh in my mind about that. Um, what was is the first album being done with Nils? Is that correct? It's actually um, the, the second album. He did um, uh, the Helix album, was his first uh, two years ago. That's what I thought, and it kind of sounded like he said it was the first album, and I was like, ah, is that true? So I was going to ask, you know, what's that been like? But I guess maybe still, um, how's that been going with Nils? Second album through, I guess at this point, it's like nothing's changed. Yeah, it's a little bit like that, but um, uh, actually I think what's a little bit confusing is that he was speaking a little bit about the whole um, thing as a new experience in the documentary. And what he was talking about basically was that um, while he was singing on the last album, he wasn't uh, as big part of the process as he was uh, this time around <clears throat> and obviously uh, me and Elisa as uh, songwriters we have gotten to know his uh, his voice and you know his vocal styles and what really works you know with him because obviously the, this the guy has a vast range and he can do you know Dio kind of singing and he can do you know power metal kind of singing and even more aggressively but um he definitely sounds, you know, fantastic when he's a little bit more towards, you know, classic rock, actually. So we wanted to include, a, you know, a little bit of that influence. And um, uh, Nils was also part of the, the the mixing process, so he put a little, little bit of his um, fingerprint, you know, on the whole thing. So um, I will say that it was really cool to, you know, just work a little bit more together with Nils on, on this album, actually. So in that sense, it actually, the process did change a little bit in regards to him. Yeah. How did that affect everything? Because, I mean, obviously it still sounds like Amaranth. Yeah, but it's always really interesting. I mean, we do the same thing with uh, Henke Morton and Joe and the other guys in the band as well, that we are, you know, always receptive of their ideas and their opinions, even if it's me and Elise, you know, practically writing all the music, basically, then we always send it by the other guys and they will say that, yeah, this sounds really cool and maybe could try a little bit of this and that and then we just ignore it and then we go on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Next, yeah. I mean, this band is a, a lot like a family, so we we love bouncing ideas back and forth in terms of pretty much everything. You know, with this band, me and Lisa are not interested in being, you know, dictators uh, of the whole thing and you know, be control freaks. So it's always nice to get to get in you know, this new vibe from um, from you know Nils now, for example, and like with Henrik before, because everybody adds their own unique, you know. Specific flavor to to the mix, so it's been all, yeah, it's been very cool. Cool. This is the thing I was mentioned was you know the process had kind of changed a little bit, and something um, that came up was the drums, and you guys were constantly tuning drums, changing drum heads, uh, getting more microphones in there, and the drum sound is massive. And then something else that you were chatting about with the guitars uh, and the keyboards was. When they need to be complex, they'll be complex. When they don't need to be there, they won't be there. And if they need to be simple, they're just going to be freaking simple. Um, and that really came across in the record. From the moment I heard Fearless, I said, that is fantastic. That everything where it needs to be 
is exactly where it needs to be. Um, but I kind of always got that vibe from you guys that you knew what to do and where to do it. So I'm kind of, kind of curious to take us maybe through that bit of the process into um, the engineering that went into the record. Yeah, I mean, just like you mentioned, I'd like to approach things a lot more from the perspective of a composer and, um, you know, a producer, or at least a co-producer as well, instead of just being the guitar player, you know, that goes to the studio and gets his uh, guitars recorded. And when it came to the, the recording process, it's actually something uh, in terms of guitars that I always do myself, <clears throat> because um, I might be... Um, I'm not the kind of person who writes my riffs down to the exact detail months before I go into the studio. So what I actually do is that I take a pretty long time, like one or one and a half weeks, and I have a basic idea of what, what I'm going to play, you know, from the demos. But I actually uh, sit in the studio, track myself, and I'm uh, trying out a lot of different things. I'm actually composing at the same time as I'm recording, which is a really... Um, it's kind of a spontaneous and also very creative process. It's just the way that I've always been working. So first, you know, you have the drum recording and there's a lot of people there. And then I get the studio for myself, you know, for a week and a half or something like that. Uh, while recording vocals, it's a little more, you know, uh, traditional. This time, uh, Johan actually recorded his uh, bass in Finland because he couldn't fly to Denmark because of the corona situation. And uh, us in the band, we also very barely made it down to Denmark since they closed the border just 40 minutes before we, we passed the border. <laughs> so, you know, in that sense, it was a bit of an uh, you know, interesting uh, recording process. But just like you mentioned, we also um, we were pretty open-minded when it came to uh, the drums and we were doing a lot of switching back and forth. Same thing with, with guitars. Because when we arrived there, even with the first day, we were saying that, yeah, guys, we might be stuck here for a very long time. Because this was mid-March, we had no idea if there was going to be, you know, even worse of a situation than it turned out to be. I mean, of course, it's pretty bad, but I mean, Sweden could have completely locked down its borders, you know, even for their own citizens or whatever. You just didn't know at the time. So we were saying that, okay, let's make sweet use out of all this time that we got. Yeah, well, I mean, that's going to be one of my questions is, were you guys planning to make a record like this regardless? Or was it the situation that allowed you to take more time well that was the what's the thing because obviously this is a disastrous situation for absolutely everybody globally but uh, i have to say that we've been you know really really lucky in terms of um, how things have been progressing uh, for for our band because we did a tour with sabaton in uh, europe an arena tour from uh, january to Feb uh, middle of february it was and we just managed to complete that before corona really turned into a bad thing in in europe and uh, a month after that, um, we were supposed to enter the studio. So the only change in plans was that we had to leave one day earlier in order to, to pass the Danish border before they closed it. And I mean, the, the guys who were working on the train, they said that, you know, that you're going into a quarantine zone that's going to be locked down soon, right? And, and we're like all happy, like, yeah, yeah, we're just going to record a heavy metal album. No problem. <laughs> no issue. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously when you record an album, I mean, for, for people who don't know how the process actually works, they, they might be thinking that there's a lot of people coming back and forth, like a movie set or something, but yeah, you're actually usually only two to three people in the studio, and you, apart from that, you're completely isolated anyways. This uh, small Danish village where we are recording is you know on the countryside, so uh, usually an album recording for us is complete quarantine anyways. Yeah, yeah I mean, honestly, I was going to say, for the most part, from what I've seen in the footage anyway, it looks like it's just a couple of people at a time. And I mean, I mean, I've been in the studio with bands recording and it's pretty boring unless you're actually doing something. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not as exciting as some people would think. And it takes take <laughs> a long time also. <laughs> yeah, you know, the seventh time you're doing the guitar part, like, okay, moving on to the next thing kind of thing. Um, <laughs> exactly. uh, something that Elise said that I thought that was interesting was that the songs are in a lower key than usual, and some of the more topics on the album are significantly more serious. And speaking of which, uh, Do or Die, the first uh, ish single to come out is a pretty serious topic and uh, so, something else you mentioned too was that the guitars are getting progressively heavier um and more metal and they're louder on the record and i kind of thought that was a bit of hyperbole and then when i heard the record i thought they did make the guitars louder how do they do that um <laughs> but i guess my question is was that a conscious decision going into the record like we're going to make it heavier we're going to make it more metal we're going to have lower keys we're going to be more serious yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a um, conscious thing even before we started to, to write the songs themselves, actually, because it was, we were just into that frame of mind, I suppose, because um, previously it's, there's been a little bit more focus on the keyboards and the electronics, but I, I think it might be a natural consequence from playing, you know, a lot live in the last, you know, eight, nine years. And recently we've been playing some some bigger places as well. And um uh, also, you know, bigger festivals, and you just want that, you know, chunky guitar tone to be a little bit of a, you know, more central part in the band sound. And it's also cool, you know, to underline to people that we are at heart, you know, obviously a metal band and not some, you know, super strange crossover thing. <laughs> Even if we have a lot of crossover elements, which we really love, and we really still put a lot of emphasis on it, then I think. You know, I, our identity and the way that we identify ourselves is, you know, clearly rooted and focused in, in the metal scene. Um, and I also think that it was a conscious decision for me as a guitar player, you know, having played in a band um, called Dragonland before and still playing, which was very guitar oriented with lots of, you know, one, two, three minute guitar solos. And I just wanted, um, you know, my next project to breathe a little bit more music musically and, you know, just to develop your more how should I say, diverse aspects of a, as a composer of metal music. <clears throat> but I think at the end of the day, you know, the gu heavy guitars is just such a central part of, you know, a great sounding album. And um, the last time that we were working on an album with uh, Jacob Hansen with the Helix album, that guitar tone, I was thinking that, yeah, it sounds so good. And if I tune it down in even, even a little bit more, it's going to be freaking awesome for the next album. So... There's been that thought around for, for quite some time, actually. Yeah, was that complicated for the vocals? No, not really, because uh, <clears throat> instead of uh, playing around with the volume, because usually, I won't say usually, but many metal bands, you know, my own previous bands included, you try to pack as many things as possible at the same time. So there will be super heavy guitars playing technical stuff, and there will be vocals, you know, heavy bass, drums, maybe a lot of keyboards, and then you try to balance this in the mix with a loud guitar sound. It's gonna, <clears throat> it's gonna squelch everything in the vocals, basically. So I try to uh, approach it a bit more from, you know, just like you said yourself, when there's, you know, really important vocals, then usually the guitars take a bit of a backseat. Not, not so much in the volume, but might stop to play altogether or just play something simpler or just hold out the chords or something like that. So it's really important on, you know, of how you approach an album as a composer to get the right result, you know, production-wise. <clears throat> because people seem to think a little bit that as long as you are great musicians and then you have a great producer, it's easy to get a, a really good sound. But you, it's really, really important that you write the music from the ground up to, to get a great production. 
Mm-hmm. Sounds like you've done this before, Olaf. Once or twice. I think this was my thirteenth <laughs> album. Lucky number thirteen. Lucky number thirteen. Are there any? <laughs> why stop at a three-minute guitar solo? Come on, give us four minutes. You know, I mean, the entire entire song could be a guitar solo. Um, Thanks. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Uh, beautiful. Now, I guess my next question is with regard to you know the keys being lower and going back to the vocal question, uh, with balancing all three different vocalists, was changing the keys an issue at all, or was it easier for them to blend together? Or how how did that impact uh, just, I guess, maybe the way that each musician sings? I will say that, I mean, uh, Nils, um, uh, as a male singer, has a phenomenal range, but obviously, at least being a female, she can go extremely high, and she has a tendency to, to push herself a little bit when she's writing vocal lines. Uh, but since we were playing a little bit of uh, lower keys, then it felt kind of natural for Elise to sing, you know, just a slight bit lower, and that made it a little bit m- uh, more possible for Nils. I mean, he could obviously nail it before, but he could put a little bit more nuance into it when he wasn't really, you know, pushing it or pressuring his uh, range as much as possible. So I think uh, it was easy for us to uh, to put quite a bit of more nils, you know, in the choruses and in the harmonies and also in his verses, actually. And that was also in- intentional because, um, I mean, he's definitely noticeable, you know, in all his parts on uh, the last album, the Helix album. But I just think that when you have three singers that are that good, you really want to make all of them shine, even if Elise is a bit front and center, you know, arguably. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I think one of my other questions uh, with regard to Jacob, actually, was you guys have been working with him, I think, from the very beginning, correct? Yep, correct. I guess my question is, maybe it's a devil's advocate question, but have you guys considered trying a different producer? The thing is that, I mean, the, the reason for trying a new producer is because you want to have a different sound. And, uh, I mean, that can definitely be true um, or a good thing considering, you know, which producer you're working with. But the really good thing with Jacob Hansen is that he's very diverse and he's also constantly developing his own sound. Plus that he understands what the band is trying to do, you know, in terms of trying to do something different sonically. So he's always been a part of our, you know, musical and production-wise musical journey. Um, and understands where we want to go. So I think that, you know, if you compare an album like our third album, you know, Massive Addictive, to our first album compared to the latest one, Manifest, they all sound very, very different. So for for us, when we have such a great cooperation, it's instantly familiar. And he's also a very musical producer. He really understands vocal lines and, you know, how to work with vocalists and, you know, arrangements and all these things as well. So he's not really you know, coming up with a lot of specific ideas in terms of uh, arrangements, but he, he understands how these should fit in sonically, you know, into the production. So mm-hmm. we really feel no need to to abandon such a fantastically working concept. I mean, <laughs> exactly. when, you say, when you say it like that, it sounds so bad. Now I just imagine Jacob with his cup of coffee and he looks sad. You know, I don't want him to look sad. <laughs> No, but uh, to, to be honest, I've been working with a lot of, you know, really, really top name producers, you know, throughout the years before Amaranth. And while I loved working with them, there's just something with uh, with Jacob that just clicks with our music specifically, actually. Okay, very cool. Now, getting into the track Viral. Now, I read that this actually, the, the word viral has nothing to do with uh, something that recently went viral, quite literally. 
Um, but the music video is really quite fitting. So I guess maybe take us through that. Was it that you guys had a different plan in place for the music video for Viral? Or did the music video, was it like, hey, this track is called Viral. Let's make a music video for it about how we're breaking out of quarantine and we're playing our shows anyway, kind of. Or is it a practice? Yeah, I will actually say that um, um, I think about the time when, we, when it was uh, start, um, time to start recording vocals, that's when we, uh, you know, the Corona crisis was was at its, you know, absolute height, you know, in Europe. So for us to have a track like like Viral and not actually redirect it a little bit to, towards the, um, you know, towards the current situation felt like, you know, missing an obvious opportunity. And around the same time, we started to plan for the video as well, because we didn't really talk about the, uh, the video concept before we entered the studio and before the whole, you know, Corona shit you know hit so um at that point we were thinking that um, you know since there's so, so much negativity in cancelled shows and uh, you know everyone is you know just feeling general generally miserable about the whole thing not the least you know in the metal industry then we wanted to uh, you know just put a little bit of a more positive perspective on the whole situation so we were like okay so this is what it's going to be like in the future you know when you can finally return to the stage when you finally break free from this you know social isolation social distancing bonds and kind of illustrating our frustration with being locked down but you know from a positive perspective instead of only complaining about it because it is a shit situation for everyone but it doesn't get any better if you're just getting depressed about it of course this is very true Olaf. you're the best person to talk to you know first thing in the morning <laughs> awesome man <laughs> that's good first thing that. in the morning for me anyway but uh yeah, you know exactly we constantly uh, try uplifting with our music in general i think that this sh uh, should go for this situation as well yeah i mean i always dug the positive uh and the uplifting uh nature that you guys take because a lot of times metal can be actually pretty depressing um yeah but not you guys and i dig that because i like metal and i like positivity and you guys bring it together for me yeah, and there's a million bands, obviously, who who do that excellently. I mean, I don't really mind really sad, really somber, really depressive music, but there's already, you know, <laughs> thousands of bands, literally, that, that do that to perfection. So I don't think that the world needs another one, and this is where Amaranth comes in, basically. Beautiful. So take us through this album, Manifest. What are we manifesting, Olaf? Uh, I mean, I think the, uh, the central par part of the whole thing, you know, from the title considered, I think it was, it's, it's all about how me and Elise, we don't really squeeze out music. We don't really need to wait for inspiration. I mean, our music is something that is manifested, you know, quite automatically. And also the, the, the title, um, I mean, it's, it's also an adjective, something that is manifest, you know, clear and obvious to the mind, basically. So it's kind of a, you know, diverse title in that sense. And what we are manifesting is our, you know, 100% you know the vision for what uh, what amaranth should be i think we um we were doing a lot of experimenting on mainly the third and the fourth album and we're constantly you know trying to de develop our sound but i think with the helix album it, it became a little bit more obvious for us what our direction should be so we used the um uh, the helix album as a foundation to build or as, as a how do you say it? Yeah, foundation to build something quite massive on top of that and just really taking it to, to the next level and, and while also introducing some more influences. For example, I lo love to do, um, compose film score style music, for example. 
So it was cool to introduce a little bit part of that, just, you know, bits and pieces here and there. But at the end of the day, we, we do have a really strong musical vision. And this is really what we are trying to, to manifest with the album, what we are all about. Mm-hmm. Dare I say, the best work yet, Olaf. Thank you very much. And I would have to agree from a very, very non-objective perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. All right. Well, I believe that we have covered everything that I wanted to chat about. We weaved everything in there as far as, you know, what you guys have been up to during coronavirus and what the album is about. And uh, also as well, some some really cool things such as uh, doing some different things on the drums, uh, lower keys. Uh, You were doing some different things with the guitars and the keyboards, it sounded like. So I think that concludes all of my questions. If there's anything else that you wanted to throw out there. Uh, then let me know. Otherwise, Olaf, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock and Roll Podcast today. Thank you very much, John. I will just add that uh, obviously we will uh, see, try to see everybody. I won't say soon, but I will say instead as soon as possible on the tour. Hopefully, you know next year. But let's see how the situation uh, develops, and uh, yeah, we'll be over to Canada and um, you know America before we know it. Woo. 